truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for hopping on board here on the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on The Blaze, radio, TV, and podcast. And if you are listening today via podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, we would greatly appreciate that, as we appreciate all of you that have done that for us already. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think using the stevedace.com inbox. Just email us there. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you getting the audio-only portion of the broadcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up today, we've got at the bottom of the hour our weekly rendition of Fake News or Not. And and some fantastical journalisming happened this week that I, I think every now and then, you know, you need a re, you need a refresher, you need a remedial, you know, you, you need to get away to rekindle a relationship, you know? And, and I thought that this example of journalism was a perfect opportunity to reset why this year we changed the way we are doing the fake news or not segment. And so we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. Also pop culture Tuesday where we look at the intersection between pop culture uh, and conservatism. And this week's Pop Culture Tuesday is a very special edition as well. Uh, we're going to title it for today, Pride Cometh Before the Dumb. And we will let you know what it is we're talking about a little bit later on. We're going to be talking to a filmmaker who put together a documentary that I think when we are, we're sort of debating nowadays the separation of faith and reason. And is it all faith and all or all reason? Is it all the material? Uh, is it all the spiritual? Is everything metaphysical? And this is all a false choice, by the way. And, and really the last time Western civilization won something, when it went on offense, when it, when it dug its heels in the ground and, and said, this is an evil that cannot be tolerated, Uh, The last time it did so, it understood that those things went together. And we're going to talk about a documentary looking back on that era coming up a little bit later on. Of course, if you are familiar with our show, you know that we love to drop truth bombs. Maybe somebody should write a book called that or something. Not a bad idea. Uh, Our friends at Swiss America, they like truth bombs as well, and they like to uh, make them available uh, to those of you in our audience that uh, like to receive such things. Their latest is called The Secret War, and it explains why governments, particularly ours, want transactions, every financial transaction to be taxable, uh, to be trackable, and then also blockable. All right. And if you want to know, I'll give you a hint of what this report uh, believes is coming next. And if you want to know what Swiss America does, what they do is they are on the lookout for geopolitical socioeconomic trends globally, not just here in America, but globally that impact your productivity, your retirement, your prosperity, which you've earned. Right. And they believe that the worker is worth his hire. So they're the watchman on the wall for you to protect what it is that you have rightfully earned that is rightfully yours. All right. And what they're concerned about is when they see an American company like Google 
align with the Chinese government to create a social credit system. And already we have in the federal government, you know, the ability to track, trace, and block every financial transaction. They're very concerned about where this may go next in our neck of the woods. If you want to learn more about this, 800-289-2646 is how you can receive this report for free. 800-289-2646, or if that's easier, just visit the website, SwissAmerica.com. That's SwissAmerica.com. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Commence the Antitrust Festival. The U.S. government announced yesterday the Department of Justice is investigating potential antitrust violations related to Apple and Google, while the Federal Trade Commission is looking into similar issues with Facebook and Amazon. This could be nothing, but it could be the start, potentially, of forcing big tech to decide whether they are publishers or platforms. The View shares its view on Pride Month. I was reading, you know, I was on Twitter this weekend and I read this tweet by Bishop Tobin, who is a Catholic bishop. And he comes out and he says that he wants to remind all Catholics not to support or engage in any pride uh, and participate in any pride uh, parades or anything uh, supporting the LGBTQ community because it's against Christian values and that it's harmful to children. And I and I tweeted out that my Catholic children will be attending pride events as this Catholic will. And, you know, my faith always taught me, what would Jesus do? Yes. And I know Jesus would be attending that pride parade. With pride. And I also, with pride. And I also know that um, God is love. And Jesus is love. Yeah. And, and love is love. Yeah. And, and for a Catholic bishop to come out and say something like that, given the history of pedophilia in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, given what the Catholic mm-hmm. Church has hidden about the abuse of children, some would say that being at a pride parade would be much safer for a child than it has been to be in a Catholic church for many years. Jared Kushner was interviewed by Axios recently where he was pressured into calling his father-in-law a racist. Have you ever seen him say or do anything that you would describe as racist or bigoted? So uh, the answer is uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, You can't not be a racist for 69 years, then run for president and be a racist. And what I'll say is that when a lot of the Democrats call the president a racist, I think they're doing uh, a disservice to people who suffer because of real racism in this country. Was birtherism racist? Um, Look, I wasn't really involved in that. I know you weren't. Mm -hmm. Was it racist? Uh, Like I said, I I wasn't involved in that. I know you weren't. Mm -hmm. Was it racist? Um, Look, I know who the president is, and I have not seen anything in him that is racist. So again, I was not involved in that. Did you wish he didn't do that? Uh, Like I said, I was not involved in that. That was a long time ago. Wow, even Jared Kushner isn't woke enough for you. CBS News tweets, a solution for childhood obesity, universal basic income. Pete Buttigieg is apparently still a thing. There was a very telling moment between him and Chris Matthews on an MSNBC town hall last night. Name some of your public figures, Republicans, who you respect. Living Republicans. 
I'll give you a few seconds. Oh, it's such a great answer if it wasn't living. CBS This Morning is very concerned about something. I have a story of unintended consequences. A Democratic leadership in the House, they have a new policy meant to protect incumbents, people currently in office. The policy is no challenger to that, to that seat. Uh, no consultant can work with a challenger to that seat. Now, the idea is to help keep the people who are in Congress, make them stay in Congress. Here's the problem. Two-thirds of those people in those safe house seats are older white men. The people who are making the challenges often, often female, often younger, often Mm -hmm. people of color. So people are looking at this new policy and they're thinking, not a good look for the Democratic Party. Unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. Police arrested a Florida woman on Sunday after she threw a milkshake at Florida Congressman Matt Gates. The woman in question was actually Gates's Democratic challenger back in 2016. This is the latest incident in an ongoing leftist trend of throwing milkshakes at politicians with whom you disagree. It all started a couple weeks ago when British activists covered Nigel Farage in the frozen dairy product before doing the same to a pro-Brexit octogenarian military veteran. Milkshakes can be really persuasive, just not like that. John Kasich gives an update on his life. Listen, on Friday I was on and I said that right now I saw no path. But that doesn't mean there won't be a path tomorrow. All my options remain on the table. And uh, frankly, I have a base out there, a base of people who contact us all the time wanting me to run. Uh, Larry Hogan had no base. He's just out kind of testing the waters. So as for me, what, what he does or what anybody else does doesn't matter. But I've said all along, if there isn't a path, then it doesn't make any sense. Right, There's but no talk path me through today, that. But that talk doesn't me mean that. there wouldn't be a path tomorrow. Students at Princeton's baccalaureate stood in protest of the special guest speaker, George Will. Apparently, he's like too right-wing or something. And finally, the Babylon Bee says, in major social faux pas, Trump body slams the Queen of England. I always knew that their culture was inferior to ours. And that's what happened? Well, we were away. Aaron's montage today brought to you by a fantastic cruise that Glenn Beck and some of the VIPs here at The Blaze are taking some of you on next spring. If you'd like to go, let's tell you about it. It's called The Cruise Through History. Uh, You're going to sail through the Eastern Mediterranean, visit Italy, Croatia, Jerusalem, Israel, Athens, and Greece to explore the roots of Western civilization, which is what inspired this thing we call, uh, you know, domestically American exceptionalism. You'll get a chance to uh, walk where Christ walked. You'll visit Venice, the birthplace of commerce tour greece the origin of the republic and democracy and yeah there'll be plenty of time for fun as well you can bring your kids and grandkids along with you if you'd like to go and now's the time to start planning for this if you want to learn more about what it is that has found that inspired uh, the founding of this country you want to get back uh, to the genesis of it all you want to visit the website come sail away Dot com. All right, that's the website. You'll get information and details on the different packages that are available to be a part of this trip next year at ComeSailAway.com. All right, let's get to it uh, in Aaron's montage. If you'll recall, uh, you know, each year we do uh, on our Christmas show, uh, the last couple of shows of the year, I lay out my crystal ball predictions of the 10 things I said that, uh, that I predict will happen in the new year. Remember? All right? Sure. The last couple of years, by the way, my forecasts have been pretty good, right? So while I'm not nearly as good at, uh, I'm not nearly the swami of political forecasting that I used to be, although I was, was pretty spot on this last year, if I do say so myself. Uh, my uh, And I just did. Uh, my crystal ball forecasts that I, I write uh, for the website every year, uh, the last couple of years 
has had like five or six of those correct out of 10, which is an insane amount, by the way. Do you guys recall what one of my main predictions for 2019 was going to be when I wrote this uh, back last December? Do you remember? I don't. Okay. Let me regale you with tales from old. One of my top predictions uh, last December for 2019 is that the only piece of bipartisanship that we would see this year is that the two parties would come together in order to take on the amount of autonomy that the social media giants have, albeit for dramatically different reasons. But in advance of what is sure to be a very contemptible, combustible 2020 election, where the free flow of information is really, uh, if, if politics is how, as I, wrote, as I wrote in Rules for Patriots, if politics is how we do civil war in America, the flow of information is the point of the war that where you go house to house versus the enemy, all right? And where is the predominant amount of flow of information these days? It is not cable news. Where is it? It's via social media. And so what Aaron left out of the uh, montage yesterday is House Democrats have launched their own probe against Facebook and Google. That was, a lot, that was announced yesterday as well. The same day that the Justice Department announced under Trump that uh, they're going to do the same. And I'm telling you, by the end of this year, some sort of rules of engagement that will likely leave wings of both sides unhappy, but will at least make the trains run on time. Because here's what's not good for anybody, all right? As much as Democrats hate giving people like us a voice, they have, they have to understand on some level. That, that's why they ignored the, the guy in Pennsylvania, the state rep, who stepped up to the mom and the teenage girls and, be, and clowned himself. That's why they ignored him. They know that on some level, the blowback for acts of, of like that are are hellish for them. It's also why they've, they ignored a lot of the, 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 you know, the beatdowns like we saw at Berkeley of Trump supporters in 2017 yeah. after the election. It's why they didn't report that stuff either. They know. They know that stuff is not good for their side. They don't need to create, you know, they don't need to create any more Jesse Kellys. Twitter made Jesse Kelly a star. He didn't even have a local radio show. I mean, I followed him on Twitter because I thought his social commentary was pretty funny. But, you know, he got a local radio show and a top five market in Houston out of this. I mean, his social media platform and exposure exploded. He's frequently on Fox News. How did this all happen? He was largely a hidden treasure among conservatives. How did he become a star? He got banned on Twitter. And the right people found out about it, and they ended up putting him back. And those sorts of things in an election year. See, this next election, both sides are going to claim they're grievanced. Both sides are going to run on a form of victimology to some level, okay? And the last thing you want to be able, you want to be out there doing is organically fueling the other sides. No, we're the victims here. Uh, you don't want to fuel that victimology because it's, 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 it's possible that other than suburban white women and suburban people in general, but if we're going to be more circumspect about it, suburban white women, other than suburban voters and to be more precise, suburban white women. The next election could also be determined by whose side is the, is, is, is the most convinced they have been victimized by the other, thus driving them to vote against the other. 
I mean, we just had a presidential election for the first time in modern polling history where both candidates were underwater in their favorables. All right. And so you don't want to be fueling the grievance out there any more than you already have to just by breathing. All right. And, and creating martyrs all over social media is a great way. Like, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Let, let's say economic growth in the second or third quarter of next year slows down to like, uh, there's there's a rebellion on Wall Street against the tariffs continue. Trump goes, is still at war with China and Mexico at the exact same time, right? And let's say economic growth slows down to like an Obama-esque 1.5%, which gives the, uh, the, the Democrat media the headlines of recession, even though the economy is still growing. But it's growing at, you know, not nearly the brisk pace it is right now. Well, you need that to be the story. You know, if, if, you're, if you're over at the DNC, you don't want every primetime show on Fox to have the story that Mark Levin, I'm just throwing a name out there because he's got the number one New York Times bestseller. So it's fresh on the brain. Uh, you don't want you don't want the story of Mark, you don't want Mark Levin on every Fox, Fox primetime show. I got banned from Twitter, Steven Crowder. Okay, who's fighting with YouTube right now? Because that is that's grist for the mill politically. That's red meat to keep your base that might otherwise be disillusioned if the economy slows down. And you're like, you know, man, I thought he was going to help out the working man. I thought he was going to help out the common guy. Then you turn on your Fox News at night and you find out those damn lefties are banning your people from Twitter. And suddenly you're like, yeah, I totally forgot that I'm making, you know, 10% less than I was making a year ago. Those things matter a lot in the culture in which we live today. And I think you're going to see both sides come together to come up with some rules of engagement to just, it, this is classic bipartisanship, kick the can down the road so that the conflict doesn't actually wage during the next election cycle. And then whoever wins the next election will then take that as their cue that they then get to do whatever they want in this arena after 2020. Like letting and, the Supreme Court decide it. Yes, and then both sides will even run on, hey, if you think there's, if you let the other side win, you won't get to say what you want on social, blah, 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 blah. That's what I think is going to go down. Your thoughts, Todd? No. Um, I, in the middle of their hatred of Donald Trump, the middle of the insane silos we live in when we don't know what genders are uh, anymore. The middle of people who have actually been candidates for office uh, taking uh, to the streets to throw milkshakes on people. What you're saying is infinitely reasonable, and thus is why it does not apply to our current <laughs> state of affairs. I, Of course, I would hope you would be right, but it w at best it would be some version of you know, yeah, we believe in free speech, but it it would be it would just be the the virtue signaling for whatever uh, inside baseball reasons we we know that they always have. But there's not going to be any meat on this bone. They they can't control themselves. It if they did control themselves, they would not be the cultist we claim they are. Of course, you're right, reasonably, but we are living in unreasonable times. See, I, I don't know that even my theory is good. I don't mean that its result is good. I am looking at this strictly through right, understanding yeah. how politicians have worked with and around yeah. and for them. Okay. But, and the, and if, if I can take away, see, they, they all want to fight on the flashpoint. They believe they can win. All right. They want to control the narrative. And 
if you create, if you organically create victims of the other, for, uh, on the other team, the flashpoint goes back, you know, the blowback of on that right. is a son of a motherless goat, but they, right? They, they don't care. Okay. When they're, they're, they're Don Quixote, they're on their crusade and they're not going to stop. And Aaron's montage, I don't remember what show is on, but it's indicative that talking about the old white Democratic Guard. Maybe CBS they News thought, this morning. Maybe yeah. they thought they, they were talking about, but all of the other ones that they're talking about in the that might primary them, that there's a reason why they're primarying them. And they're not necessarily thinking about strategy or winning. They are religious zealots. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I think that this is a can't stop, won't stop. So I, I, I would, I would tend to agree with Todd. I think if the result of what you just laid out, your theory, um, I, I, I would, I would probably disagree with the result. I think the result would be something more along the lines of a resolution akin to creating a national cupcake day, where they maybe specifically name a couple of social media companies and saying we support free speech online, something like that, that has no teeth whatsoever. I think that's maybe the best to come out of this but even then look how hard it was to pass a resolution condemning essentially condemning elon omar and they couldn't do it they couldn't do it they had to throw in all really you know yeah. islamophobia and yada yada mm-hmm. that's that's what that that's because they are run really they really are and, and as much as nancy pelosi tries to tamp it down I think the instinct, the running instinct throughout the Democrat uh, Party and throughout the left, I should say, is one of what Todd was saying, religious zealotry. They are a horde of locusts. They can't stop, won't stop. The reason why the conservatives get censored is because they don't think that we should have a voice. They don't think that we should have a uh, – their base thinks that we don't. Ha- we shouldn't have a voice. Progressivism says that if you don't conform to the group think, I know you that. are subhuman. So I don't see how they would ever let their democratic lawmakers and the people who purportedly represent them get away with doing something that would, that would maybe in some way, whether it's tacitly or whether it's actually got some teeth – give and uh, uphold conservatives or what's left of America's voice on social media in the public square. I don't see them getting letting their uh, representatives get away with that. Well, I don't want to spend our whole time on this. So let me just throw in one final point. I absolutely believe Democrat. I don't think Democratic politicians at this point for from the moment at this point forward, I don't think they care what their base thinks. I think they understand that their base is driven by hatred of Donald Trump. And they're going to look at, start looking at their own fortunes and they're going to start saying things amongst themselves. I mean, you just saw it in that CBS News clip. Okay. Well, we're going to put in a, you know, an incumbent protection racket. I think we, we have these mythological views of Democrats, like they're not an actual political party. You know, like they, they, they don't operate like one. Like it's not a coincidence the first Democratic governor to veto the national popular vote is in a state like Nevada that was a reliable Republican uh, state until Donald Trump came along and they just got a foothold in it and they want to protect it. We act like, yes, we, now we're the show that labeled them the cult. We're the show that, that made the point of progressivism as a cult. But the Democratic Party, while driven by that impetus and those forces, is still in the end. It is still a political party. That's why we didn't start impeachment January 7th of 2019, right after the 2018 midterms. That's why they have to lobby Nancy Pelosi. That's why they're mad at her for not hopping on the impeachment train right away. It, they, they are still, I agree, that, and I've lived it and experienced it, there's more conviction in the zealotry of their base than far more than the Republican Party has for theirs. But it is still a political party. And politicians, even the most erstwhile ones, 
Okay, still, uh, still, and uh, the, the most zealous ones still are politicians. It's why Ocasio Cortez is pretending she never sent out the summary of her own Green New Deal because she's still a politician. They're still, they're all still politicians to some degree. It's Bernie Sanders pretending like, I don't remember, uh, you know, when the Soviet Union was bad. I don't remember saying bad thing. I don't remember saying Maduro was great. I don't remember, uh, you know, slurping all over Chavez. I don't remember. What are you talking about? I mean, they're all still politicians. And in the end, the Democratic politicians are going to say to their base, we know you can get, we'll just fire you up by Trump. You hate Trump. And the reality is if we win this next election, we'll take all the conservatives off of social media if we win. But we won't win. The odds of us winning this next election go down the more we continue, we victimize them in the heat of, a, of an election. So, shh, we'll get to you. And what are you going to do? Not vote against Donald Trump when the Trump when the chance comes? You're going to stay home and not vote against Donald. All politicians, all mainstream politicians, to some extent, even the good ones, think these think this way. Don't ever underestimate that. Human nature is still what it is. I think one of the problems, though, is I think you actually have to flip things. I think what they triangulate in politic too much by just having these singular Jesse Kellys, and they don't go all the way. I mean, I, do you really know how the right would truly respond if if they one of them just stepped up and said, "You know what? If you're conservative. We're, we are making this platform strictly progressive." We're banning all of you conservative. I'm not so sure suddenly the whole right would be viewed as utterly victimized because I don't know how the right would even react in that moment. I think when there's a Jesse Kelly here or there, but if they just went all in on that, I am not entirely sure that that's suddenly. Oh, I disagree with you completely. You know why? Again, basic instincts. How are how's your livelihood decided? Do you think? Well, no, but remember, Twitter is in America. But no, but the conservative Twitter is conservative media, an entire industry. An entire industry whose livelihoods are essentially just shut down. Yeah, you would. You, I think you would see. But the same ones making the milk toast case they do on almost everything else. Suddenly, I, I just don't. I, you, you think they just sit there and accept? No, port- I just. Portis? I don't know that. I just, no, I don't think. But do, 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 I don't know how well they'd make the case in a way know, that have, spoke to. I don't know if the, they would the make base. it well, but yeah, they're going to fight over. The, I mean, they're greasing their skids doing clickbait. Take that away. Uh, Mama still needs a new pair of shoes. You know, kids got to eat. You know, daddy needs a daddy needs the lights on in the garage. I mean, that's money. Where's that money coming from? Then, yeah. But I, but I, but yeah, I, I understand your point. But in the end, don't ever total depravity always sides with craven opportunism over zealotry. In the end, in the end, the long arc of human history shows that there are peaks. There, that, that for every mob outside of Lot's house. In history, there have been there's a, for if there if there's 99 cases of better for one man to die than our whole status quo here to perish. The long arc of human history, human sin is far more manifested by give us Barabbas than it is. Hey, bring out your men so that we can have our way with them. There, the the crowd outside of Lot's house does happen, but most of the time. Human nature and total depravity gives into craven opportunism before it gets there. All right, it's it's why you see all these corporations jumping on Pride Month. That's just craven, craven opportunism, folks. That's it, all that it is. I've got a question about that, real quick in passing. Yeah. It, 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 is there something comforting about that, knowing that it's just craven yes. oppor- opportunism? Yes, <laughs> there is. In, in a, in a weird still way, driven by y- profit. Yes, in in a weird way, for every zealot. 
Total depravity will point out in human history, there's 50 people that are more like the landlord in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Rent, rent, rent. Pay the rent, pay the rent. Because listen, Nancy Pelosi would love for to be overrun Love for us to oh, love to over to run us out of social media. Do you know what she would love even more than running us out of social media? You know what she'd love even more than that? To remain Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Okay, so running us out totally out of Western civilization, really high on her list. I don't deny that. It ain't higher though than I like being Speaker Pelosi. Ain't higher than that. Okay, even even the Queen of the Damned, Ocasio Cortez. Ain't about some shucking and jiving and some political sleight of hand when uh, the temperature gets too hot. All right. Never, ever underestimate, underestimate the need for the palm to be greased ever. That being said, I, I think it's totally possible we could be at a mob outside Lot's house moment, as you guys pointed out. But the politicians will try to cut some kind of a deal. Whether their base is like it or not. And maybe this is what they'll do. You know, it, it, hey, we'll give you the Trump impeachment you want on one hand over here. And on the other hand, we cannot go dumping all these conservative voices in the middle of an election year when that reverb is all going to come back on us. People hate that stuff. And they do. If you look at, if, if, if you want, if you look at, you want to know why we're on offense on religious liberty? When we, how, how do you go on offense on religious liberty after you lose the gay marriage fight? How does that happen? How does, that is, does, that, does that make any sense? You lose the argument that this behavior is immoral and shouldn't be supported by the state. Because you're not really losing it. Okay. Uh, you're right. And I will explain why when we come back here in a moment on The Blaze. And then we'll get to a fake news or not that is a worthy reminder of why you should be not paying attention to most of what is called news. Next. Stay tuned. Um, a couple of things we've got to get to in this segment. Uh, quickly, you and I were just talking about this off the air. Mm-hmm. All right. The clip in the montage of the woman on The View. Yet she says that that she's not sure her children are safe there. And she doesn't agree with with, with the stuff that the Catholic Church actually teaches. And I'm trying to come up with a reason other than, you know, my, my default answer nowadays is just doctrine of demons. I mean, I just, that's just kind of my answers on everything now. But I, wanna, I don't want to create a straw man, okay? So I'd like to ask you a sensitive question, if you don't mind. I think sure. we're good enough friends that I can ask. Yep. That I've got enough. And I, I probably know more about the Catholic sacramental system than the average evangelical does. But I'm not, you know, I, I don't deeply, have deeply held knowledge either, okay? There are places that you can go in Protestant circles. You can find Episcopalian churches. You can even find some really heretical, um, you know, formerly Reformed denominations, United Methodists, where you can be told, you can be given a false assurance by the clergy there that you can reject everything Jesus says and he still saved you. Despite the fact, one of the, one of the things, most important things Jesus ever said is, why do you call me Lord and you do not do what I say, right? Okay. Um, is it possible 
there are priest dioceses that are so far gone that they're telling her if she takes if she actively takes part in the sacramental system, if she, for example, comes to mass and experiences the Eucharist, she's saved, regardless of what she goes out there and espouses and stands for and does publicly. Is it possible that a woman like that is being given false assurance like that from the church, that if you just take part in, in, the, in the rote system, that's all that's required of you, um, not actual faithful obedience? Is that possible? Oh, I suppose it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. Okay. Because here's the reason, because if that's not the case then, then she's not likely being given some false assurance. She doesn't think her children are safe there. And she doesn't agree with what they teach. Why is she a Catholic? Why, why belong to something you don't feel safe, you don't belong to, uh, or, you don't, or you don't agree with, and isn't, isn't telling you that you, know, uh, you will escape hell just by coming here and going through the motions? Then, then, then why is she a Catholic? Well, for the same reason that that one woman throws milkshakes on people. That's what she's doing. She's throwing milkshakes on this place. She's she's a bully, and she's allowed to be a bully. The mo- One of the most prominent priests in America right now is Father James Martin, and mm-hmm. he spends his entire time supporting uh, what he is basically a, a homosexual uh, ministry. Uh, well, when that could he could somebody like that be giving a whole bunch of people false assurances then that that their he, souls I, are not in jeopardy? They're just fine the way they are. Oh, he'd be saying that about not your soul not being in jeopardy but not for the sacramental reasons you're talking i don't think suddenly they're they're deeply robust about the sacramental power of the church but oh. not caring about the moral side of things so you mean they're not even going through the rote motions of their if she belongs to a a, a a diocese that's that far gone they're not even going through the rote motions of orthodoxy then they're just at that point it's basically a glee club is what you're saying no, she, i yeah. mean she won't receive any admonition for that i mean she she and listen if i may say though yeah. if you're not the Catholic Church has earned the the skepticism of people in terms of oh you really want to give me a a, a moral lecture I, I I get that yes in she's general. she's drawing a false moral but, but equivalency she, but yeah. she this is preposterous what she just did according to she, actual she's saying Catholic, my devils are better than your yeah. devils that's what she's saying oh yes and yeah. so according to actual Catholic teaching she if not before just not, she she has excommunicated herself. From the Catholic Church, she will even if she's going every Sunday, even if she, especially if she's saying things like this and participating in the Eucharist, she's excommunicated herself. She is outside of grace because of that. That that's what you need to understand. So these these are like the women in Corinth that Paul warned about that were if you knew what was going on in that culture at the time that literally belonged to the pagan religion and were just going down the street to say, hey, we're a part of the Christian Church now. Let us let us preach. Let yeah. us teach. You know, follow our customs. Yeah. That she's just a modern day manifest. Station yeah. of, of of what Paul was warning about there. Yeah, and we have nobody who is willing to, st- you know, you. Um, as far as that Eucharist, I mean, her priest should say, you know what, you're you're out, time out. But that that's not going to happen. She will be welcomed with open arms. So doctrines of demons, it is, and she's hot, but so is hell. All right, let me let me. I've got a question that I a, a dangling participle from the last segment. Before we get to fake news or not, I'm going to answer here in a moment. Uh, before that, though, I want to tell you, I want to remind you again about Riduzone. If you're losing the battle of the bulge, all right, you've been trying to live right, but especially as you've gotten older, it's just getting tougher to to get uh, your body to react uh, properly to making healthier choices. It could be that that signal in your gut. 
Uh, it's made up of what's called OEA. There's a longer name for it. I won't even bother trying to pronounce it, but the abbreviation is OEA. Uh, and it's a signal that goes from your gut to your brain to say, hey, we're full, we're satisfied, we're good, we're done eating. It's one of the key regulator, natural regulators, nature, your creator, put in your body to get your metabolism working the way it was originally devised to do. Unfortunately for some of us, especially as we get older, that signal's just not as strong as it needs to be. And that's where Riduzone comes in. Not, not a stimulant, not a whole bunch of chemicals here, no caffeine. Uh, it, it's, it's overwhelmingly number one ingredient of the three that it has. OEA. It just wants to put that OEA back in your system to get that signal working with the brain the way that it used to. Who knows? This could be uh, the missing link for you to finally win the Battle of the Bulge. If you want to find out, uh, use my name, Steve, as a promo code. They'll give you a special offer when you go to riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com, promo code Steve to get a special offer at riduzone.com. So, there was a uh, there was a question posed at the end of the last segment, and I'm having a senior moment. I I totally forgot what it was, Aaron, because I got so fixated on that woman in that video. What was the question I said I was going to answer? Um, so you're it, young, yeah, no. So it, your brain is still working. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, why why is it that we're going on offense with religious liberty uh, yes. when we lost the the argument? Supposedly okay. lost the argument on marriage. Perfect. Okay. If you look at every major culture war fight that's taken place in America in probably the last 25, 30 years, whichever side has been viewed by the middle ground as the victim has won. Every single one of them. Whichever side has gone on offense, meaning I'm going to use government to go on offense with my values to impose upon you has lost every single time. Because there, here's the thing, the, there's, there aren't a lot of true believers of really anything in America anymore, except for generic sentiment. It's a, this is a, a lukewarm country. We are, we are the people of Jeremiah's time. You know, if we could, if we could use a, we can modernize the language of what the people said to Jeremiah. Hey, we've got make America great again hats, gun racks, and, and rainbow flags in our yard. God's not going to judge us. Look, there's the Washington Monument. Look, there's the Jefferson Memorial. Look, you know, we still celebrate July 4th with fireworks. And that's essentially what the people said to Jeremiah. You know, hey, I've got to make Israel great again bumper sticker on the back of my uh, ox rack. And hey, the temple is still down there on Main Street. Just like, just like it's always been. That's where the Lord lives. Ain't nothing changed. You're a quack. That's what most, where most of Americans are. They don't even want to be bothered by many of the debates that we spend our time debating with the people of true conviction on the other side. And so whoever forces them to think about the stuff they don't want to think about loses every time. And you force them to think about it when you go on offense. Whether it's Hobby Lobby, Little Sisters of the Poor. See, these are, these are cases of victimization. But like, and each, now, victimization is not always a bad word. It's not always false, all right? That, you know, there's victimization and then there's victimology. Victimology is where I am just a perpetual victim. I'm always wrong. And unless I am seeing myself as an aggrieved, I, my, my life lacks meaning. I always have to be in some aggrieved class of people. That's victimology. But there's, there are legit cases of victimization, and so what's happened 
since we lost the fight, since we lost the sexual revolution, basically, since that was lost, what's happened is the other side has now used the full coercive levers and power of government to impose a new moral order. But they did so on a continent that's not as secularized as Europe is. You know, we, we, we don't have as much of a religious fervor as we used to, but more of America is evangelical, for example, than Europe. Only 2% of, of Western Europe is evangelical. We're not selling Catholic churches for mosques in, in America, in mass, no pun intended, like what's going on in, in Western Europe. We're not as secularized to that yet. So there, so there is still a substantial block of people that are, are not going to comply with this, are going to create cultural flashpoints. And when you create the when you create the victims like the the Kim Davises, the Kleins, the Hobby Lobbies, the Little Sisters of the Poor, when you create these kinds of victims, the Kelvin Cockrums, we we you know the Baronel Stuntsmans, uh, you know all these names we've all gotten to know these last three or four or five years since the since 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 Windsor, and then much more you know since the second gay marriage opinion, um, these become national names. And that forces the people who would prefer to be to not be bothered. They are Bartleby. Most of America is Bartleby the Scrivener. If you remember that Melville short story from when you were in AP English back in the day, most of America would would like to say, "I would prefer not to," when given real moral decisions. When there are when, so whoever forces them to make a decision, you lose the argument. Every time you force them to make, they they would prefer non, non they would prefer total acquiescence of every view. A lot of Americans think they're when they call themselves Christian, they're really this obscure religion called Baha'ism that thinks everything is true, which of course ends up being the most intolerant view because if everything is true, you're essentially saying nothing is because they're all claiming to be exclusively true. That you're saying are all simultaneously true. That's where most of America is at right now. It's a very lukewarm temperature on the stove. And so if you create a flashpoint, if things are lukewarm and there's a flashpoint, that flashpoint does what to the temperature in the room? Increase. Increases the heat. When the heat increases, you invariably are forced to respond. I would prefer not to, says most of America. So if you are seen as the one, so the argument has gone from why are you just telling these two people who love each other they can't love each other? We, lo- we, we lost that argument the minute we allowed that to take foot. Lost. Okay? Now the argument is, um, you're going to tell, um, you know, Chick-fil-A shouldn't be able to be, have a business on my campus because that triggers me. You lose. And so the same people are like, yeah, gay marriage is great, are then the same people are like, leave Chick-fil-A alone because they don't believe in anything other than, can't we all just get along? Okay. And so whoever goes on offense in the culture war loses, all right? So if, if the way, if you want to win the tranny fight, go, go point out the dude who finished, what was it, in 290th place two years ago in the, at the NCAA national track meet, decided he was transgendered, and then what did he finish, second or won it or something? He won it. Won it. See that? Look for victims. Whichever side gets to claim you are using the powers and levers of coercive force to, to victimize us, you're going to win the argument. You're going to win. Because most people would prefer to be like, you know what, man? You can tranny all you want in your home, even up and down my street. But I'd really like to see my, my granddaughter out there throwing the shot put. And that poop ain't right. 
Okay. But if it becomes acceptance and, you know, that's 57 genders, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. So whichever side forces this mushy, cultural, lukewarm hell that most Americans prefer to live in to take, make a choice, just make forcing them to make a choice. The reverb on that thing is a motherless goat. They hate making a choice. They don't want to make any choices. Okay. And that's, that's how you go from you lose the you lose the marriage issue and the sexual revolution to how are you on offense with religious liberty? Whichever side is on offense in the culture war loses every single time. And that's been the case over the last quarter century. So that is the answer to that question. Let's quickly get to this week's fake news or not. Uh, brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. If you watched 60 Minutes in Own Your Own Home, uh, if you watched an episode recently, they had the FBI's former head of cybercrimes on there warning homeowners uh, that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home, do it all online, because that's where a lot of our mortgages and our home titles are kept, where they can then be hacked. And here's what thieves do. They forge their names uh, onto your paperwork, claim it's yours, then they borrow against the equity in your home as collateral uh, in order to cash out at your expense. And then they stick you with the payments. Identity theft protection won't protect you. Uh, Your mortgage lender uh, can't protect you either, but for pennies a day, our friends at Home Title Lock will. Here's how you can find out if you're already uh, a victim, if you've already, if your home's title's already been tampered with. Uh, go to HomeTitleLock.com. You can register there for a title scan and the report that goes with it. Those are both free. It's a free title scan and report. Protect your most valuable investment that most Americans will ever have, their own home, at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So this year we made the decision with fake news or not in the year of no BS, we get, we just decided this is opposition media, what we call mainstream media by and large is representative of a foreign country and believes you and I live in another country and they're hostile to our values. And there's no point fact checking the Washington post any more than you would fact check Al Jazeera at this point. Right. And so we've spent most of this year now, when we do fake news or not, we're looking at the people and the news sources that are supposed to be representing us. Are they the ones telling us the truth? And if you're wondering, hey, Steve, I think you've gone too far. And I I think maybe, uh, you know, uh, keep hope alive, right? Maybe you're in that camp. I'd like to introduce you to really the official newspaper uh, and news outlet of Capitol Hill. It is called The Hill. And here is a headline uh, that The Hill ran this week as the abortion wars continue to wage uh, on in America. Poll. Nearly half of Americans say Supreme Court should uphold Roe versus Wade. See anything wrong with that headline? Okay. It's magical. It's magical and very broken, actually. (laughs) That's a funny way of saying... The majority of Americans either want Roe versus Wade moderated or eliminated. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is, Aaron, you come to me. You want a raise that you think you're deserving of. Yes. Okay. I go to, uh, to our board of directors here at our company that owns all of the content we do. And we look it over and I come back to you and say, hey, I've got good news. Okay. I think that uh, you're probably worth about 46% of what it is that you asked us for. And I, and like I'm celebrating, I'm giving myself cookie bouquets as boss of the year. You think what? That's kind of odd. Yeah, because I just told you you're not worth the majority of what you just asked me for, right? Yeah. That's the results of this poll. 
54% in the poll said they either wanted Roe versus Wade redefined, moderated, and or eliminated, overturned, 54%. 36% said they wanted it moderated and or amended. 18% said that they wanted it overturned altogether. Add that up. Add up the amount of people that want Roe versus Wade to be upheld as is by the Supreme Court. And it is are not upheld as it is by the U.S. Supreme Court, and it is a majority of the people in this poll. Now, this is what, there's Barry in the lead, folks, and then there's just flat-out Orwellian newspeak, okay? This isn't even burying the lead. This is, you know, this is when you're treated now, you're treated, you're a fool. This is, this is, this isn't bias. It's even worse than malfeasance now. They're punking you. They literally whipped it out, drank like after drinking like nine OEs, like dropping nine eight balls. All right. The bladder is more than more than filled to the brim. And they just whipped it out, held you down, and relieved themselves. That's what this is. This is more than a peeing on you and telling you it's raining. Your face is a urinal trough. And then they're asking you, how you like them apples? I mean, the amount of editors, the, the amount of people a headline like this has to go through. And the fact that this headline is still up there while it has been panned, rightfully so, all throughout the fruited plain of conservative media for the last four days. You know what it shows? It's not that they're lazy, Bob. It's that they just don't care. And neither should you tune them out. It's only fair. It is after all what they've done to you and I. Hour two is next. And we're back with hour two here live and on demand on the blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888 888-900- 3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I was um I was at the gym uh, over the weekend. I'm there most days, but over the weekend I was at the gym and um, I'm sitting in the sauna afterwards. And and guy who listens to us just kind of strikes up a conversation with me on health and food sourcing and all the stuff, you know, and, and him and his buddies are debating it and everything else. And we get into this whole conversation about, you know, um, how much whole foods to eat and, uh, you know, how come you, when you drive down a road, he loves, he, we're big meat eaters, but we've noticed whenever you drive by a pasture, you never see a cow eating corn, right? <laughs> you always see cows eating grass. Yep. All right. You know, and so we get into this whole conversation uh, and it was really fascinating, and but it's one of the reasons why we support on our show products, you know, like what they do at Brickhouse Nutrition with Field of Greens, because a lot of those fruits and vegetables are stripped out of the uh, the average American lifestyle nowadays. Uh, there's a reason why we were lamenting when we were kids. I mean, if you didn't eat you know, a loaf of bread in three days, mom was all over you, right? Nowadays, that thing's good for like two weeks, allegedly. Okay. Why is that? All right. Well, you want to put the stuff, you know, those things were put in our foods for a reason. Nature, our creator, put them there because they're good for us. 
peanut allergy, uh, food allergies. Did you ever go to school with a kid with a peanut allergy when you were a kid, Todd? Not that I have any recollection Dude, of or knowledge. If of. they would have told us, remember how hesitant we were in junior high and high school to start taking showers at the, when, we were, when we were all that age, right? Sure. If they would have told us, hey, peanut butter will come out of the showers, your hesitation level goes where at that point? Oh, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, we're there. We're in. We're in there. Yeah, we would have lived on peanut butter, bathed on it, uh, marinated in it. Now everybody's freaking out. Where do all these allergies come from? Well, I think a lot of it comes from the natural stuff nature and our creator intended to be in our lifestyles that have been stripped away. So if you want to check it out with Field of Greens, uh, this is certified real USDA organic fruits and vegetables in a delicious drink that's not loaded with 90 grams of sugar, but complete with uh, all the antioxidant power, those prebiotics, probiotics missing from a lot of our lifestyles today. You can get it at BrickHouseSteve.com. It's called Field of Greens. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. You get 50 15% off of your first order at BrickHouseSteve.com. So there's a debate happening in, you know, we, we sort of see the country as the left America versus what's left of America right now. And there's a debate within the what's left of America about what is the best path forward to either change the hearts and minds and defeat, if need be, the left America. And a lot of it is being, I think, it's being packaged as a false choice. And it's this choice between faith or reason. It's this choice between using um, earthly um, uh, earthly vessels only um, or spiritual weapons exclusively. And if you go back and look at the last time Western civilization went on offense and won one of these existential fights. You'll see that that false choice was cast aside and those things working for a higher cause and order actually worked in harmony with one another. And that's the topic of a new book in the accompanying documentary that goes with it called The Divine Plan, John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and the Dramatic End of the Cold War. One of its co-authors and the, the director of the accompanying documentary, uh, Robert Orlando, joins us now here today on The Blaze. Robert, it's good to see you. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm very excited to be here. What do you think about the big picture question that I posed because I'm looking for, I think, our, I want our audience to understand, Robert, there is a very much modern corollary, parallel, um, whether it's radical Islam, whether it's radical leftism, uh, we haven't won uh, here in the West, we haven't won a, an existential cultural fight since the Cold War. And therefore, I think we would be wise to go back and look and see what can be emulated from that past win and, and you know, imported into what's going on here in our modern age. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, we could speak for a week on what you just mentioned. I love where you began this conversation. So, But just to, for the sake of time, I would cut right through it and say that the most effective, uh, ground-gaining, aggressive times in history where the West has progressed has been some model that incorporated Christian aspiration, inspiration into the classical world. So it's not a mind or body uh, relationship. It's actually a mind and body relationship, and which is a sacramental world worldview, which is give unto Caesar what is Caesar's and give unto Christ what is Christ. So this, this um, integrated view of the world is, is, has been the answer and has showed the most progression. And the antithesis of that worldview is what you're seeing in the radical left, which is a binary world. It's mm -hmm. a world of 
hyper politicizing everything. Either you're of the body and a wise person who's leaving superstition behind, or you're just like you and Christ or you and your religious experience are so up there that the, 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 the physical world means nothing to you. And, and that's, those are kind of extremes of what uh, I think our progress has been. The alliance of Pope John Paul and Ronald Reagan, was it, was it natural was it, were it, or was it something that, that history sort of prevailed here? How does something like that come about? Because again, I think there could be uh, parallels for the age in which we live in today as well. I think both of them res- represent the exact world uh, I was just speaking about. They're, they're actors, so they understand the real world of being on a stage. But they're also people who have suffered tremendously, have come through world war, cold war, in their own lives, they've suffered tragedy. And I think there's a spiritual journey for them that actually culminates, or I should say is sparked for the end of their lives when they're both nearly assassinated within six weeks of one another. Mm -hmm. I think that was the galvanization at that point of, maybe they thought of it in general, or it was more progressive or someday it would happen. But I think after they both faced death with that immediacy, I think it was like time to go. And then from there, I think the mission they met joined and realized that though they might be very different culturally and where their origins were, it was time to get on the real mission was to bring down what was in that world, the nemesis to what we're saying the West is. Did it help a shared, you mentioned a, you know, shared leadership tragedy experience with both of their attempted assassinations happening so close to each other, but there was a shared generational experience there. Uh, Both men had lived through, um, World War II, only to see uh, the Third Reich replaced by the evil empire. In the case of the Pope, he saw his own homeland. Eventually, uh, the, he saw he saw the the you know the Iron Cross taken down in exchange for the hammer and the sickle. So that shared generational experience. You know, if you look at Reagan's political awakening. Uh, where he went from a typical Hollywood actor, Democrat, he's still the only president that's ever been the president of a union ever, or the head of a union ever before. His real awakening was watching, uh, at the same time they were trying to push back against the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union, watching the early era of 60s uh, leftist intellectuals attempting to import a lot of that social theory into the American mainstream, right? The, the rendezvous with destiny, the time for choosing speech that he gives in 1964 that was kind of his debutante ball in many respects, pushes back harshly uh, against this notion of Reagan as the as uh, the is the likable novice, uh, you know, uh, just kind of uh, genuflecting through history. Uh, and then because of what the Pope witnessed in his native Poland at the same time, that shared generational experience. How vital was that in this alliance? I call it Christian existentialism. I, I think it's understanding the moment and understanding how your faith plays out in the real terms of your moment. I think that's where the acting piece came in and where the inspiration for the book and film came in because it's really by demonstrating your faith, not as a body of knowledge to be debated in a, in a form of debate only, but to be acted out, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, the apostle Paul said. Mm-hmm. So they put themselves in the stage of taking significant actions that in the symbol of the action represented much more profound meanings and to that, in, in that sense, they're they're mythical. They're the characteristics they exemplified are larger than their own lives, and that's what we look to to learn lessons of history. So I, I see the book and the film. I, this was after the fact, after I read the book when it finally was getting down to the final phases. I see it as almost a book of wisdom, a moral tale 
that has lessons for us today and that do keep the possibility of memory alive, especially for high schoolers and college students. Keeping that memory alive, we are seeing a new generation of folks wanting to openly adopt the very worldview that uh, we we saw uh, the West led by the likes of the Pope and and Ronald Reagan and I throw Margaret Thatcher in there as well, kind of working uh, as in, in in a form of uh, an earthly trinity, if you will, in the pushback against communism and against uh, Marxism, and we're seeing this now is in vogue. It's it's chic now and mainstream in America today, and a lot of it with young people who didn't live through the real, the shared generational experiences of seeing what was really going to be the ultimate outcome of this. How do you get through to them if they haven't, if, because we wouldn't be the first society to, to buy into utopian leftist promises in a post Nietzsche world. We, we it's, it's manifested itself as fascism, socialism, Marxism, communism, but in a post Nietzsche God is dead world, we have seen this from government utopian promises and lots of other cultures far more steeped in history than a country about to celebrate. It's what 244th birthday. Uh, that's it. Um, have, have fallen for these canards, Robert. So how do we reach that next generation? So if we go back to where we started with the rise and fall of civilization and what makes it success or not, successful or not, toward the end of civilization, it becomes a leisure class. So the, usually by the third generation, memory is lost. Mm-hmm. The gods of the grandparents and then who are lived through the heroes of the parents drifts off and it's lost. And then in the luxury class, they're not aware of the limitations. They didn't fight the battle of Normandy. They don't know like I have a dead uncle, someone who was killed on the battle. They're, they're not seeing through that lens. So to them, they assume that what they stand on is the way the world is. And it's it's absurd if you think about it, because we're, we're such an exception to the rule, especially over the last 100 years, there's nothing to compare it with. And there's a, I think that's the, the temptation to slide toward utopia. If we feel this way and it's the norm for us, why can't the whole world feel this way? And it comes from a profound ignorance, a profound lack of wisdom, that I think the the Bible, the Christian faith, I think the the founding fathers, the classical ideal of Socratic critical thinking and self-thought, all these things have been abandoned for just sheer identity politics and the winning in political power. You know, it's it's lost. Do you think, and, and I don't know that it could specifically look in our time the way that it did in that era. I mean, there there's, there's a Pope there now who comes from a part of the world that has um, linked Christianity with Marxist thought in throughout a lot of, of, of developing Latin American countries. He has certainly shown a disposition, more than a favorable disposition, towards some of those notions in his own social commentary. But specific institutions aside, or names or personalities aside, mm-hmm. do you think the model of such an alliance to push back against the progressive Marxism that is almost finished now with its long march through the institutions in our time. Do you think that's possible in the current environment that we have? Can this be emulated? I once, I once heard, um, I think it was uncommon knowledge. I heard Pappy Cannon. He was in a long interview. I forgot what he said, but at the very end of the interview, I think it was Peter Robinson. He said, so you think we need another Reagan? He says, we don't need a Reagan. We need an apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was exactly how I would have framed it. I would, I would say that the root is rotten. You can't, like politics and the moving around of power is just like cutting the branches. But I think, and not to echo Jordan Peterson, the Jordan Peterson <laughs> phenomena, but you really have to get down to the, 
the paradigm of how Marxism bled back into the postmodern mm-hmm. idea. Nothing can be known. Everything's a social construct. So wherever you see inequity or difference of people or community, it always means someone is scheming to keep other people down. And with that kind of cynical approach, going back to your your Nietzsche or Marx or Darwin or whatever, where it's a very cynical way of looking at the world, uh, an anti-faith way of looking at the world, um, you, you can't change it. So I would say you have to get at the root. And where is the root? It's in academia. I mean, that's that's where it starts. It's in the academic circles. Your target audience for this project is who and why? Everyone. Everyone. Why? Um, because some some films and some stories are not part of a cause. They're just, they're universal because that's what story is. That's what drama is. And I'm not sure if you read the book yet, but the whole point of the book was to dig a little deep and realize that the dramatic understanding that these two actors had and how it played out on the, the world stage, if you will, uh, was what made it so profound because they took something that could otherwise live in political circles only and they made this demonstrative stand against evil of their time and it was profound. I mean, and they were talking about things like human dignity, human freedom. Who could argue with that? Who could mm-hmm. say that film is part of a partisan effort to blah, 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 you know, all that stupidity. So so I see it as for everyone, right up the front gates of anyone who will show it, and I'm, and I'm going for, you know, big partners and a national audience. What I hear you saying just in the last couple of minutes, and, and you've touched on it several times in our conversation, and I think you really hammered the point home in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. What I hear you saying is, you know, we're debating technocratic stuff with the left. You know, we're debating gross domestic products uh, ratios. You know, we're, we're debating um, reform and growth. You know, you know there's a reason why um, I'd give almost every GOP consultant a, vi- a Viking funeral, because those are like the first two words instead of nana and dada that they all learn is reform and growth. And the average American doesn't know what the hell that any of that crap means mm-hmm. or care. All right. And what I hear you say, what, what, here's how, what I hear you saying to the stuff our audience hears from our show every day mm-hmm. is the people that we have representing us in the what's left of America are out largely having a technocratic fight. Look at the Obamacare debate. The Republican argument was we can't afford it. So does that mean it was moral if we could? If, it, if, they, could, if, it, if, it, if they could zero baseline budget Obamacare, would it be moral to tell Hobby Lobby, Liberty University, and Little Sisters of the Poor they've got to fund for the you know, uh, abortions for their employees if they want? If, as long as it's affordable, right? The people that represent us politically often go out of their way to avoid the existential narrative and drill down to the technocratic mumbo jumbo. The other side's out there arguing Marx. They're arguing Nietzsche. They're arguing all the intersectionality iniquity that you just articulated. They're giving the culture a mythology. They're giving them a, a purposeful narrative. We're over the people over here. You got you, 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 Mitch McConnell's like, well, we don't really have the votes for that, so we can't bring that to the floor. They're over here. You know, uh, God is dead. And what I hear you saying is with these two actors understood and they brought with them into the world stage is the power of story the power of myth the particularly when it's undergirded with eternal truths and values that really in many respects this is almost a tolkien lewis-esque sort of political alliance and they understood that the best way you weren't going to push back on on the evil empire with missiles alone or even with sermons alone but could you fashion those two things together into a grand narrative that offered people a better path forward historically than what was being offered to them in Moscow. Is that what I hear you saying? 
can I hire you as a promoter? <laughs> that was, that was part, no, it's exactly what, I, what I'm saying is that we, we're not here to do So it, it's interesting because I, I can't tell you how many conservative, intellectual conservatives I've had to stop and say something like, please stop using the economic model. Stop mm -hmm. using the economic model. Stop talking about this soft Marxism on the other side because you're wasting all of our time that you're going to eventually face like the Renaissance, like you know, all the Enlightenment or is that there's cultural tensions and how we understand our identity culture, which means spiritual and however you define it. And I know you define it and I define it, but I think that's where you have to get into those guts and start saying, who, what is our self-identity? How do we relate to the larger universe? What is our plan, our destiny, our divine plan? When you start talking about things like that, I mean, then there's a chance, I think, at true reform. And there's a positive message here that everyone suffers, right? The cross is not about fighting one religion versus another. It's asking people to enter into the relationship between the vertical and the horizontal. Mm -hmm. So it's a conversation that everyone can participate in. So I see, it's kind of funny because I don't think of myself in the elite sense, but the elites and the intellectual debate is kind of above where the people are. And you see this in our politics. They're, they're talking above, floating above where people are at. People want to know, who am I? Where am I going? And what does it all mean? And um, how could I find that dignity, that freedom, nothing has changed. This is what Reagan understood and what John Paul II, you know, why are people in chains? Why are they behind walls? Why are they behind gunpoint? That's common sense, right? I don't want to see that anymore. I'm going to do something about it. It's mm. not political, it's human. <clears throat> that last line, let me give you one more piece of free advice, okay? As a, as a, as a guy that you, is a recovering consultant. That last line, hammer that point over and over again. That To me, that... I think you've said a lot of great stuff in this interview, Robert, but that, that's your money shot right there. It's not politics. It's human. It's the human experience. I, I think that's what, and because that's what the other side is preaching, is the human experience. We're preaching politics. We're trying to win elections. They're trying to win generations, all right? And, you're, you're, and if you know the long arc of history, then you understand whoever, whoever is casting the grander narrative, even if it's a fake one, always ends up winning the argument. Robert, how can people get more information, get a copy of the book documentary? Tell them that. Well, I'll give you my website is www.thedivineplanmovie.com. The book is out on June 10th. You could pre-order it now. The film will be out in the fall. There'll be a series of independent screenings leading up to a November 9th screening, which is the anniversary, the 30th. I didn't plan this, but maybe it's part of the divine plan that <laughs> the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall. And and just maybe wrapping on this, the idea of the Berlin Wall falling, I think goes back to the human message, right? That the walls have to fall for there to be true dialogue. Mm -hmm. you know? and it's, it's all just tied together. And I'm, I'm having fun with this. And I really appreciate you giving me a chance to speak. You bet. It's, it's a fantastic subject matter. It is one we have covered on our show, this particular angle to it in the past as well. We've had your co-author, Paul Kenger, on this show a couple of different times too. So it's a, it's a pleasure to get to know you, Robert Orlando. Thanks for joining us here today on The Blaze. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Hey, do you have uh, itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling? Uh, are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? If that's uh, you, you could be like millions of Americans forced to go to a doctor at some point this year for one of those annoying doctor visit uh, ear cleanings where you have to waste a couple of hours 
waiting at the doctor's office, maybe getting a prescription. That's another way, co-pays. What if we get to eliminate all of that stuff? All right, you can do it yourself, just like the pros do, but in the comfort and convenience of your own home with WaxRx, it uses the physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH condition formula, just like you'd have to get done if you went somewhere else to do it, but now you can do it yourself and without a prescription. Try WaxRx risk-free today. Here's how. Just go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com, and then use the offer code radio at checkout, and they'll throw in some free shipping for you, so you'll save money on the back end there, too. All right, so you save time and money on the front end, and then save some money on the back end as well with the offer code radio for free shipping at checkout when you go to usewaxrx.com. Thoughts on the conversation we just had with Robert Orlando. Gentlemen, Todd, I'll start with you. I was confident when I booked that it could be good, but that was just outstanding uh ultimately uh the essence of our faith is god made flesh and the way you lay you guys laid it out it it, it is the technocratic notion of things is very much the disciples sense of themselves pre-pentecost just always like pulling their punches and it leads to conversations like satan get behind me it's and then you have pentecost and suddenly you have that infleshed Holy Spirit-driven faith, or here I stand, Lord, I can do no other. And that's very, the last thing Robert, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II are ever going to be called is technocrats. Mm-hmm. They, they were, their belief system made flesh, living it, breathing it, not just checking boxes. And th- th- we, we need to, uh, it's important, you say it all the time, be no respecter of persons. Do not look for the next idol. And we talked specifically about Reagan all the time, the statues. The, you never move on. Well, but if we're going to move on, we need to understand the past and what made those men great so we can effectively move on and not have this false idol worship. Sure. There's a difference between, and we've done this show, I used to do this show frequently. I don't think I've done it in several years. But there's a difference between tradition and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. All right. Nostalgia is like, man, if only we had another Reagan. And then you find out, you look in people's lives, and you find that, well, I mean, Pope John Paul wrote something theologically in 1983 that seems pretty whacked out. So suddenly he's a terrible person now. People can never live up to your standards. You know why? Because they're people, and you can't live up to your own standards either, right? But nostalgia has you looking for recreating a moment in the past that probably wasn't as difficult and or great as you thought it was at the time. But because it hits you at the right time, you've got the you got warm you got warm fuzzies for, and so it, it it's got to look like that again. So you have those warm fuzzies again. Nostalgia paralyzes us like that. Tradition says look to the past at what's worked before, and then find out how in a, with a modern approach in the times in which you live as a, as a son of Issachar, understanding the times and knowing what to do about them. Following a template, there's a re- there's a reason why I, I when I, I pose my question to Robert that you know this sort of direct alliance with the current, for example, uh, state of the of the of, of the church in the West in general, uh, but in particular with who is Pope right now, probably isn't ideal. It's it's just not possible. Okay, the, too much of of church of the church in the West today either has its bed has a has its foot on one side of this fence or both feet and is planted over there. But that doesn't mean that this such an, an alliance between faith and reason 
isn't possible again. It may not look exactly like this. It may not be as winsome as Ronald Reagan, and it might not be somebody as as, as purely theological as Stewart, as, Stewart as, as Pope John Paul. It might be, I don't know, the guy we we're talking about yesterday, somebody like him, David Platt in a bad golf shirt. And a pair of khakis. It doesn't have to look the way that nostalgia says it's got to look exactly like this or it's not the right thing. And so let me sit on the sidelines and I'm paralyzed while I lament about the, you know, I fire up the Judds. Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. And if you think that way, you miss Ronald Reagan, the, yes. the, the B-list actor who yes. was a Democrat, came along. You, you He got his political start no. touring the country. I think it was for General yeah. Electric. But, All right. Yeah, right. And I it, mean, so it doesn't have to look the way it did in the past. It's about looking to the how did what were the values they fought for that history shows this is the right side of history. And then we look to modernity and say, all right. Yep. So in the in the in the times in which we live now, Aaron, how do we take that to this era? Again, I, I harp on this this kind of uh, the, the split between expectations and standards that you have. Expectations are the way you think things should look. Standards are the way you think the way things should be, regardless of how they look. Mm -hmm. Standards are always superior to expectations because expectations, even though they are um, they are embedded in the human experience, expectations are always always subjective. Which is why, for my generation, this uh, this this uh, painting a picture of the way things used to be under Reagan that I hear so often from you guys' generation and the generation before is really not uh, – it's not a way you want to reach my generation and the younger generations because guess what? We have no idea what that was like and we can't really imagine a world in the 80s uh, what, you know, when Reagan was around. So you have to be able to paint a picture of what Orlando was saying just a few minutes ago of the human experience um, and, and the human connection and not just play politics all of the time. And, and the other thing is as well, the true mark of intelligence is not, uh, it is not having all the answers. It's knowing where to look for those answers mm -hmm. and the right questions to ask. So many times we don't do the intelligent thing. We just look back at a nostalgic version of what you thought things were, you know, for any situation in life, whether it's in your family, whether it's your work situation, you know, that was the best good, you know, those were the good old days. That's not necessarily true, that you're just, you're just using your own subjective uh, point of reference to make a statement about what is good, whereas the intelligent thing to do is to really study and understand um, what, you know, what... At, at a higher level, at a more transcendent level, what is good? And that requires asking the right questions. That requires knowing where to find those answers. And inevitably, the only place to find those answers, and early, you know, uh, Robert Orlando kind of talked about this a little bit, the only way to find those answers is in faith. And that means, in our situation, revival. Amen. That's very well said. And I, I certainly hope those of us in the older generations uh, than Aaron the one he represents. I hope we listen to some wisdom from from the youth. We're losing them because we've we we have we have failed to conserve our own our own stories. And we're so caught up in Rasmussen polls and what's the current Republican, you know, flavor of the month's approval rating and over there the other side is selling them on utopia. It's fake, it's false, it's demonic but it's a far more powerful story than 
What do you think the, about uh, Trump's uh, approval rating going up to 45%? We'll come back with Pop Culture Tuesday next. <laughs> Millions of Americans are fighting the battle against what's called chronic pain, which comes from inflammation every single day. And millions of Americans have kind of just decided that uh, regulating is maybe is the best they can possibly hope for. They just have to live with the pain. But what if real relief was possible? That's where Relief Factor comes in. If you are a frequent listener viewer here at The Blaze, you've probably heard uh, other members of our team raving about Relief Factor. I myself uh, would add my name to the list. Um, it, I I can't believe how much better I'm feeling, how much quicker I'm recovering from workouts. Uh, actually, last week, uh, up the ante on my personal workout routine to kind of take things to the next level. Have you guys heard me complaining, arguing, you know, whining about, you know, soreness or anything of that nature? I kind of miss it a little bit. It yeah. had a certain <laughs> entertainment value to it, but no, you have been silent. Way to step on the applause line, but I appreciate that nonetheless, Todd. But yeah, I mean, that's just some anecdotal evidence there, you know, there's only one thing that's changed other than, you know, amping up the intensity level of my own personal workout regimen. The only other thing that's changed is, you know, I'm a frequent uh, user of Relief Factor. Highly would recommend this 100% drug free, even though it's created by doctors who can prescribe drugs. What does that tell you? It tells you that they're looking to find the, the natural ways to unleash nature and your creator's uh, inherent ability for your body to win the fight against inflammation. All right. So if you want to give this a shot, just try it for three weeks, a dollar a day, 20 bucks. It's all it will cost you. What do you got to lose for a dollar a day? Except maybe, hopefully, finally, the pain. Give it a shot. Relieffactor.com. Again, that's all you got to do. Go to the website. You'll get all the information you need at relieffactor.com. All right, folks, it is time for this week's edition of Pop Culture Tuesday. And this is where we look at the intersection between what's happening in pop culture and conservatism. And this week, it's tough to miss. Okay. Uh, Pride Month is everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I'm, you know, we've noted on this show before what could be potential instances of providential trolling, right? Like America's first openly bisexual senator's name is Sin Enema. That is, that is her name. And I got to say, you know, from what I can see, what today's Democratic Party allows, which if that sounds like a disclaimer, it's a it's a it's a big one. But given what today's Democratic Party allows, Kristen Sinema has actually done a fairly decent job. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but she's actually there's actually some things we probably would agree with. Her she's on. actually called her own party to task. Yeah, a couple I know. Of things yeah. She's actually right. really she's, she's done a Again, by what today's Democratic Party will, will, will whatever, where, how, you know, how far on the left part of the house their Overton window sits, okay? She's, she's actually pushed back against it a little bit, you know? But there's been lots of these instances, right? You know? Um, the root of all sin is what? What is the root of all sin? Pride. And this would be... Pride Month? 
No, uh, this is love, joy, peace, understanding month, right? Yeah, yeah, allegedly. I mean, it, it, it's, it's gone beyond ridiculous to the point, I think I said on the show yesterday, and if I didn't and I just thought it, shame on me because I should have said it out loud. If I were gay, I'd be at the point now, I'd be like, chill. Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah, now that's one of my favorite gifts, the Jonah Hill. Yeah, I'd be like, hey man, you know, relax, take it easy. It's Be cool, be cool. You, you don't know? understand this movement at all, do Apparently you? I don't. <laughs> Apparently I don't, all right? So I, I went looking yesterday for some examples of, of how dumb this is becoming. Took you forever, didn't it? Yeah, here, here, no. Here's what I did is I went hashtag Pride Month on Twitter and found these five examples in less than 20 minutes yesterday. Here came the fire hose, huh? Just <laughs> full throttle. And I need to tell you the amount of... Uh, I, I, had, I had antibacterial wipes for dinner uh, last night in order to cleanse myself. After <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do grill. you do it with the sea salt? Well, no, I, I, I put them grill on, yours? Yeah, I put them on the, on the grill, throw a little, uh, you know, salt. Cilantro lime. Uh, yeah, sure. cilantro lime sometimes. Yeah. But, and don't uh, forget avocado yeah. <laughs> with your, with your yeah. bacterial wipes. But yeah. It's got electrolytes. Yeah. But um, I, what I had to do to cleanse myself after going into that... Diagon Alley. All right. So I came Nocturne at, Alley. <laughs> I, came, I came back with the the top five examples that pride cometh before the dumb. Are you guys ready? No. Yeah. Clearly Todd not. Todd has the correct answer. No. Since I know what's coming, no is the correct answer. Let's begin here uh with number five. Let's celebrate, and this is sad, a sad mental disorder. Here's a comparison of, he, uh, Wine Dad says, here's a comparison of when I was a bridesmaid at my brother's wedding in May 2015, and now here I am as the groomsman for my sister's wedding in May 2019. This is, it's a mental illness, folks. And I'm not giving up the ghost on that. Fire me, ban me, I don't care. This is a mental illness, and I'm not going to go along with encouraging people to do things that so many honest studies show they end up regretting later on. I mean, let's go to the next one in this category. Ollie writes, when you're filling out a form and the only options are male or female. Think of all these civilizations that have come before us in human history who would love for that to be their daily lament that the only options before you are male and female. Do you know why those are the only options before you? Because there are only two types of people. There are men and there are women. This reminds me of a couple of years ago when they were actually selling t-shirts for some version of Pride Month, but to order them, you had to check the box, male or female, for the style of shirt you wanted. <laughs> That's true. Totally true. I'll take self-owns for $1,000, Alex. Yes. All right, let's get to number four uh, on our list this week of pride cometh before the dumb. Death to heteros apparently doesn't get you banned from Twitter. Here is Synactive who writes, illegalize straight marriage. I hope all of the non-gays burn. Hashtag pride month. I wonder Todd, what he's trying to say. What do you think he's trying to say? Well... I just think that he's really displaying love is love. Um, you know, he's he's really acting that out or acting out. No, acting that out on on Twitter that 
you know, love is love is love is love. And, you know, he might express it a little bit differently, but that's what he's saying. Or she, it. I'm sorry. They? Yeah. Whatever. Your thoughts on the amount of acceptance that that tweet at least implies, Todd? I don't know. I like a good self-immolation as much as anybody, you know? It's just uh, warm fuzzies that never stop. Get hotter and hotter. If you went on, if anybody went on Twitter and wrote, I hope the gays burn, not only would they be off Twitter in 10 seconds, they'd probably be in a prison oh. cell. Right? And, and all CNN would be talking about uh, until the next Malaysian airliner. Forget saying that. Let's put down the list of things conservatives and our Christians have actually said and been banned mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. I'm quite certain... None of the the ones that we really know about, the big name ones that have been, I don't think anybody said anything about burning anybody. I'm quite, I think it, whatever they said was probably closer to a tickle fight and that got them axed. Number, where are we at? Number three? Yep. Number three on my list of uh, pride cometh before the dumb here. Everything is racist. Okay. Even pride month is racist. According to Charles Blow, who I looked has nearly 800,000 Twitter followers. Okay. Uh, it's Pride Month can now discuss how the queer community is just as racist as the straight one, how the queer community has overt tribal tendencies that it celebrates rather than is ashamed of, or how black queer people are forced to suffer a double marginalization. Yes, I said it. I triple dog dare you. See, I told you. I mean, this is this is fantastic. This is this is fantastic. So just so you know, you're racist if you're straight. And you're racist if you're gay. You just need to know you're just a racist. Yeah. No matter what. Thank you for your if clarity, you're, If Mr. you're asexual, you're racist because your color is black. We'll learn that from a certain beer company here in a minute because now you're culturally appropriating. You're just, you're just racist. So love is not love, apparently. Again, we're learning. Just so you know, Mr. Blow, expect a milkshake. That's all I, that's all I can tell you. <laughs> and it better be chocolate. All right, let's get to number two. Um, King of Lears. This is the Budweiser UK um, Twitter account. Their official Budweiser in the UK Twitter account. And they sent out, and then there's like individual tweets that accompany yeah. each one of these, explaining what they mean. All right. And like every form of identity, every form of expression, um, no matter how dumb, Asexuality. Have you ever heard of a demisexual? I've heard of dummies. Demi, 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 demisexual. Okay. Yeah, that's represented here. Is it? Yeah. Somewhere. I don't know, but it is. Okay. This, this is why, Aaron, hold this one close, because every time you try to talk about how there's, st there's still a political party and they'll still triangulate at the end, just, Aaron, <laughs> you put this up. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of time a bunch of people at a... <laughs> A company that goes back a hundred years and is celebrated by large virile Clydesdales, they spend time doing this. So just remember that. Okay. Which which one <laughs> which which <laughs> All right. Which which one of these uh cups do you like the most? Which design is the best? I guess I'd go with the um, the one of the the 
the bottom right. I was just thinking because it looks kind of maize and blue, doesn't it? Or is that a purple? Uh, that's it, purple. Oh, okay, that's yeah, purple. Um, yeah, I, I, I would go with that one. You would go with that one. Yeah, I, I. Okay, yeah, I don't. I don't really like any of them. What do you want, Utah? This whole conversation is a gigantic man card violation. What's a man? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. And our number one example of pride cometh before the dumb for Pop Culture Tuesday this week. This story was totally fake, but it's also totally believable. All right. So this is a parody account that actually in the past has used Nintendo figures in order to put them in uh, overtly homosexual uh, memes and things of that nature. And yesterday for Pride Month that came out with uh, our staff is filled with people of all sexualities. So we love supporting that. Uh, former Trump advisor Seb Gorka, who's got a radio show on Salem now, uh, retweeted this and says, so Nintendo's promoting incest now, okay? Um, because if you know the Mario world, Mario and Luigi are actually related, okay? And it turned out that this this tweet was fake, but don't you find this in defense of Mr. Gorka, I find this, if this was a real tweet, given what we are seeing from the corporate world already in the month of, it's June 4th. Slow your roll. Yeah, this is. All right. There's 26 more days of depravity to go here. If, if given what we've already seen from the corporate world, if I would have not said to you, Todd, that this was fake and that the actual Nintendo account tweeted this out yesterday, would you have believed it? Oh, Totally. Of course, I, I think 100% it's believable. Yeah. We, did, we, we just got done talking about the Budweiser cups. Of course, this is believable. And that's why I put them in this order because I actually think the Budweiser thing takes the cake. All right. But I put them in this order because I wanted people to see that the truth is stranger still than the fiction. So you may think, who would have fallen for that? Well, given what we've already seen from the King of Lears, I mean, is it really that outside of the crazy? That you would have thought a major company would have come forth with something like that? No, which is no, I, I fully expect Nintendo to issue a statement clarifying tomorrow that while they do not condemn, um, you know, incest and homosexuality and incestual homosexuality, uh, that's not actually a part of what they're going to be. I totally, I totally could expect that, you know, tomorrow or in five minutes. I mean, guys, I Manwich Hunts put out a statement last week apologizing yes. for assuming the gender of its sloppy Joe sauce. Yes. I don't... I'm, I'm seriously reconsidering my life choices right now. Seriously. There are so many examples of this, which goes back to what I said earlier in the show about wh why they, the drip, drip, drip of Jesse Kelly's. Well, why don't they just full on... I mean, it, it's this sense of the assault that's never ending that causes people to just like, I... I can't. Yes. I won't. So this is all the time. It's why it's so utterly believable. In fact, social media, as annoying as it is, but we spend so much time on it, Steve, but it's not America. But if if they went full throttle on it, uh, on it, it, it would. It, they're behind the curve a little bit in terms of going full man witch. I'll tell you, too, after going through that, uh, through that hashtag yesterday even in the limited amount of time that I did. And I, I kept it, you know, when I did the search, I kept it for top results because I wanted people with real followings, okay? Um, and 
I'm also, if you went too deep, you might have never yeah, come that, out there. Yeah, that's, yeah. Your God. That's true, too. I already wrote a book. Oh, yeah. That got me close enough to the mouth of madness. I don't, I don't need to go back there again. But um, I'm, I just want to reiterate this point to you. There, are, there aren't any good arguments here. This is why they're so aggressive and emotional in their pitch. Because there isn't, you know, when I, when I got through that search, I, I just, I was really heartbroken for the people that were caught up in this. I mean, it's just, these are all fallacies. They're easily debunked in three seconds or, or less. I mean, this, remember the old show, Name That Tune? I can debunk your fallacy in three syllables or less. I mean, it's just, there's, and it's all the same sloganeering. It's all the same talking points. You know, the, one of the reasons I included the Charles Blow thing in there was just because I guess Pride Month is, to make the point that even Pride Month is racist, is he, his take was actually one of the few which just, you know, tripled down on the ridiculous but it was one of the few that just literally it was it didn't read like it came from a central hub dare i say a ministry of information and they were all given hey here here's here's how you're to here's how you to here's how you you are to feel about this and then what you're to say about it and it's just sad and it's tragic and i think it and, and for me it was a worthwhile reminder that there's real people made in the image of god real souls that Jesus died for that are caught up in this that are not numbers or constructs or statistics or algorithms. I mean, there's a major American pharmaceutical company right now running ads, basically telling homosexuals, Hey, don't be worried about AIDS anymore. You're good. I mean, that's, that's dangerous, man. That is, that is literally you're playing Russian roulette with people's lives. So, yes, we had some fun with this, but it was to make a serious point. These are, these are eternal things that are at stake here. And ideas, including the worst ones, have eternal consequences. Finally today, if you are in the real estate market, lots of signs going up in my neighborhood as I bang my... I was almost going to get out of an episode of banging my mic and not have Aaron yell at me when I'm off the air. Take it. Have to replace that incidents without you know days without incident yeah. at work sign over there uh, in your corner of the studio, Aaron. I'm it's, sorry. It's true. Uh, real estate agents I trust was a company Glenn Beck and his associates started several years ago. Tired of real estate agents who talked a good game and yet didn't deliver when they were needed the most. And when they are vetting real estate agents to be listed among those you can trust, they're looking for three things. Right? An, an agent who has a track record of successfully navigating what can be a complicated regulatory and uh, economic real estate market. Uh, an agent that, that understands data matters but looks for the outliers and doesn't spare the details at the same time. And then finally, someone who's got a rapport you can get along with, easygoing, reliable, returns calls, you enjoy talking to. This is such a personal process. It's also very stressful. And the likelihood it will be successful if you don't get along, not high. So if you're looking for a real estate agent that you can trust, go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. That'll do it for today. Back at it till what tomorrow. And then we'll have overtime uh, for our Blaze uh, subscribers as well. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace.
on the Blaze Radio Network. 